I'm Megan Cornier, and this is the Women Who Know podcast. You're listening to Episode 7, Warts and All. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Megan Cornier, and I'm so glad you're here. This podcast is all about uplifting women and mothers by sharing messages of faith, love, hope, and some random things in between. Women who know who they are and what their purpose is as daughters of Heavenly Parents are women who change the world for the better. Join me for a few minutes of peace in the chaos of life as we learn together how to become women who know. Hey guys, I hope you had an awesome week. I still feel like I'm recovering from our trip that we got back from over two weeks ago now. (laughs) And also dealing with like post-vacation blues. I don't know if that's a real thing, but that's what I decided to call it because I've been so sad since we got home. I I miss the excitement of a vacation and being away from all the daily responsibilities here at home, but I'll get through. (laughs) Maybe I'll just start planning our next vacation to fill that vacation void. So this week I want to talk about one of my favorite sayings. When I was trying to remember where I first heard this saying, I struggled to figure it out. I couldn't remember. So I started trying to find it on Google and I actually ended up finding some more information about it as well as the source where I think I first heard it. I don't know for sure, but um, the saying is warts and all. Yep, that's it. (laughs) Warts and all. And the saying is most often attributed to a man named Oliver Cromwell in the 1600s. The story goes that Oliver Cromwell was having his portrait painted by Sir Peter Lely, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Oliver told him to render his likeness warts and all. (laughs) And most of the websites I read about this said that there wasn't much evidence to it, but I thought it was interesting. So, um, where I first heard this phrase was in one of my favorite movies, the animated version of The Princess and the Frog, the Disney one. And this movie has been out since 2009, so I think I'm safe spoiling it. But if you haven't seen it, then you should. (laughs) But to make a long story short, Tiana was dressed as a princess when a prince named Naveen, who had been turned into a frog, kissed her to try to become human again. Instead of that happening, Tiana turned into a frog, and the two humans turned frogs (laughs) eventually fall in love. While they're still frogs, Tiana tells Naveen that she loves him, and he asks, warts and all? And Tiana responds, warts and all. I love that so much. I know I've heard it or read it from other sources too, but this is one of the most prominent and one of my favorites. So anyways, I love what this saying entails. I have a story that I want to share. (laughs) So when my husband and I were dating, there was a time when he was talking to me about some struggles he was having and weaknesses he felt he had. I told him I loved him warts and all. I had never said it like that before. Um, And his eyes started to water. And he told me that his mission president used to tell him that when he was struggling. And it meant so much to him that I said it to him at that moment. So that's kind of become a favorite expression between us and like a motif of our marriage. And we still say it to each other, even now, 10, 11 years later. So, um, the saying does not just entail physical warts and imperfections, but I also like to think of 
warts as a symbol for any weaknesses or shortcomings, even mistakes and sins. The Lord commanded us, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And that's Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. The Lord did not say, love thy neighbor as thyself, unless they are imperfect or make a mistake or sin, or you disagree with them, or they look a certain way, or they bother you somehow. (laughs) He said to love them and gave no out, no escape or excuse. That is how he loves us after all. He knows all of our weaknesses and mistakes and sins, and he still loves us more than we can possibly understand. So, we are commanded to love our neighbor, and our closest and most important neighbor is our spouse. We are to love them unconditionally, regardless of mistakes they make or shortcomings they have. And it's important to note that all humans have shortcomings and weaknesses, and we all sin. There is not a single person on this earth who is perfect. So no matter who you are, you and your spouse are both imperfect. If we married a perfect spouse, then it would be easy to love that person, right? So why would we need a commandment to love each other if loving each other was easy? It's not easy. It's extremely difficult because we are all imperfect. But it is still a commandment. So God knows that we can do it with his help. President Russell M. Nelson once said, An ideal marriage is a true partnership between two imperfect people, each striving to complement the other, to keep the commandments, and to do the will of the Lord. Close quote. I love that. I love that it says two imperfect people who strive to complement the other. President Nelson did not say that it was the job of a husband or wife to fix their spouse, to remove their warts. We do not get married in order to change someone or treat them like a project. We marry someone to love them, as they are, to draw together and draw near into God together. Marriage is definitely a refining experience, if we allow it to be, and spouses have great influence on each other for good, but we will come to resent our marriage and our spouse if we spend all of our time just trying to change them. Elder Robert D. Hales once said, None of us marry perfection, we marry potential. Close quote. That potential in our spouse can't grow if we are constantly criticizing, belittling, and trying to change them. Love your spouse as they are, warts and all, and watch them bloom. President Howard W. Hunter once said, Marriage is like a tender flower and must be nourished constantly with expressions of love and affection. President Spencer W. Kimball said, We need to make the marriage relationship sacred, to sacrifice and work to maintain the warmth and respect which we enjoyed during courtship. God intended marriage to be eternal, sealed by the power of the priesthood, to last beyond the grave. Daily acts of courtesy and kindness, conscientiously and lovingly carried out, are part of what the Lord expects. Close quote. So, We should be kind and loving in our marriages. We should love our spouse and not get hung up on their mistakes and shortcomings because we all have them. So just love each other, warts and all. 
Okay, next I want to talk about loving each other, warts and all, in any relationship. Loving our neighbor includes all of God's children, our brothers and sisters. And again, none of us are perfect. Elder Holland once said, Be kind regarding human frailty, your own as well as that of others. Except in the case of his only perfect begotten son, imperfect people are all God has ever had to work with. That must be terribly frustrating to him, but he deals with it. So should we. Close quote. God loves us, warts and all, and he expects us to do the same of our brothers and sisters. We don't give up on each other. We don't stop seeing family members just because we have different opinions or don't get along perfectly well. Contention happens in families. Contention brings opportunities for forgiveness, humility, repentance, and greater love. We shouldn't give up on the people we are sealed to for eternity just because we get offended or because of shortcomings or sins. We need to love each other, warts and all, especially within families. I mentioned last week that one of the themes that I noticed throughout General Conference was that of charity. That is what sparked this episode. In conference, Sister Dennis said, We are commanded to love others, not to judge them. Let's lay down that heavy burden. It isn't ours to carry. Instead, we can pick up the Savior's yoke of love and compassion. Judging others really is a heavy burden, and it's not ours. It's the Savior's, His alone. He alone knows how to judge each person perfectly. We should love our families, warts and all. Love your neighbors, warts and all. The Savior is love. He is always the answer. How do you deal with a struggling child? Love and Jesus Christ. How do you fix things between a family member? Love and the Savior. In the long run, will the little annoyances and shortcomings that we find in others really truly matter? Will we think back on our mortal lives when we are dwelling in eternity with God that we wish we had spent less time with our family members? Or will we wish that we hadn't let such small, insignificant things get in the way of our eternal and sacred relationships? Elder Marvin J. Ashton once said, Perhaps the greatest charity comes when we are kind to each other, when we don't judge or categorize someone else. When we simply give each other the benefit of the doubt or remain quiet. Charity is accepting someone's differences, weaknesses, and shortcomings. Having patience with someone who has let us down or resisting the impulse to become offended when someone doesn't handle something the way we might have hoped. Charity is refusing to take advantage of another's weaknesses and being willing to forgive someone who has hurt us. Charity is expecting the best of each other. Close quote. Having charity like this is so difficult, but we can do it with God's help. In Moroni chapter 7, verse 48 in the Book of Mormon, it says, Pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart, that ye may be filled with this love, which he hath bestowed upon all who are true followers of his Son, Jesus Christ, that ye may become the sons and daughters of God, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. If we are to become like Christ, as we have been commanded to do, we are to be filled with charity, and we can be filled with charity if we pray for it and act on it and do our best to emulate it, to emulate Him. 
One last quote I want to share with you comes from this most recent general conference again. Elder Gong said something that pierced my heart. He said, we find heaven's sociality in each other. Heaven's sociality. Isn't that a beautiful vision? We don't find heaven's sociality in the things of the world or fame or hobbies or wealth or in isolation. We find it in each other. Elder Gong was referencing a verse in the Doctrine and Covenants when he said that, and it reads, That same sociality which exists among us here will exist among us there. Only it will be coupled with eternal glory, which glory we do not now enjoy. Our relationships aren't perfect here because people aren't perfect, but we shouldn't give up on each other. We can have true charity, the love of Jesus Christ, that sees past imperfections, weaknesses, and sins. We can work on and cultivate and nourish these eternal relationships with acts of kindness every day and spend time together. As President Uchtdorf once said, love is really spelled T-I-M-E. Spend time together, be together, and have forgiveness and charity. We can love as he loves, and we will become more like him when we do. We can love each other, warts and all. Have a fabulous week, you guys. I'll talk to you next time. If you like what you heard today and want to hear more, please follow the show. And if you'd like even more uplifting content, please follow me on Instagram at women.whoknow. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have the best day ever.